Next on BYU Sports Nation, game on. We kick off rivalry week in grand fashion. Johnny Harleen wide open and in studio to discuss the Cougars and Utes. ESPN's Trevor Maddich tells us where the BYU-Utah rivalry ranks nationally and why the passing game will work against Utah. Plus, what are your favorite BYU-Utah memories? What's the best Cougar Ute memory? Share your opinion on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation. This is BYU Sports Nation on the BYU Radio Sports Network. Happy Monday, sports friends. It is September 16th. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with the Jerem Jordan, wherever and however you may be listening. Thanks for making us part of your day. Another solid lineup today, Jerem. Johnny Harleen. Yes, that Johnny Harleen, hero of the 2006 BYU-Utah Classic, breaking down the blue and red clash, and it's another Maddich Monday. Just, Just another, another Maddich Monday. Monday. That was not planned, and that got super weird super fast. What? <laughs> One of the most respected college football analysts in the country, Trevor Maddich, gives us the national outlook on BYU-Utah. Yeah, should be uh, an exciting week. I would rather have this week in November, and for some reason BYU has been able to schedule USC and Cal and not Utah in November recently, but that's the idea as uh, we get going. Later on in the week, we uh, expect to hear from Kalani Sataki, defensive coordinator for Utah, uh, trying to work things out with Bill Riley, play-by-play voice on Call 700 in Salt Lake City for the Utes. Uh, we'll also talk with... Uh, some Cougars in the NFL. Yes, yeah, How about Brett Kiesel, Brian the Pittsburgh Keel. Steelers, Max uh, Max Hall of the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, also joining us. Yeah, I guess that's the CFL, For all you CFL but, it's, fans. but it's Max Hall. Yeah. And and we know we know Max loves BYU Utah. We know that he's going to tell us how he really feels about the Utes. <laughs> I think he did that already, but <laughs> yeah, I'm interested to see the fallout since then. So a uh, great lineup of guests this week here on BYU Sports Nation. Friendly reminder, you can listen to BYU Sports Nation on BYURadio.org, the BYU Radio iOS app, Sirius XM Channel 143, and Dish Network 980. You can also catch the show on demand every afternoon on the BYU Radio YouTube channel. That is how you listen, my friends, and this is how you join the conversation. Send your tweets to at BYU Sports Nation and vote in our daily poll question. Good one for you today at BYUTVSports.com. Jerem, it's time to reminisce BYU-Utah style. Okay, here's the question. What's the best moment in rivalry game history in the post-Lavelle era? Let's start with this one. 2001, Doman DeStaley. Another shotgun option. They still don't have Stanley. Touchdown! That was a good one. Oh man, two thousand one. The uh, option to the near. It was to the near side. I hate that play, but it worked out very nicely. It for did BYU. work out. Okay, that's one option. The second option, two thousand six. Back to Harleen. Can anybody get open for? Him? He'll roll right. Let's it go. Find this guy. Touchdown! Johnny Harleen comes all the way across the field. Back, finds him, and it's a touchdown in BYU. Swarms the field. They win it. James Bates on the mountain back in 2006. I actually won a won a, uh, a little bet on that play, on the verbiage of that play. Find this guy. What guy? Oh, Johnny Harleen. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's option B. Option C, 2007. Austin Colley, fourth and 18. You That's know, option I, C. I, so many good ones. And there's another one. Option D, 2009 Max Hall to Andrew George in overtime. Throwing it over the middle. It's 
It's just a fever pitch by James Bates, who actually got to call three of those four. So weigh in on BYUTVSports.com. Again, the options and the, the question. What's the best moment in rivalry game history in the post-Lavelle era? 2001, Doman to Staley. 2006, Beck to Harleen. 2007, Austin Colley, 4th and 18. Or 2009, Hall to George in overtime. What's your, what's your uh, favorite moment? It's Beck to Harleen. Beck to Harleen's going to blow the others away. Okay, uh, of the other three, what do you think? I would say 2007, Austin Colley, 4th and 18. And here's why. I, I went to that game. I took my mom as a guest. I was working in Colorado, made the trip over, met her in Provo, and thought, okay, we got this game this year. BYU's, BYU's sure thing winner. And on 4th and 18, I remember looking at my mom just thinking, what a horrible, horrible situation. Uh, I was trying to do something nice for her, and now her favorite team's going to lose to Utah. Oh, man. And then... For some reason, Austin Colley is so wide open that at one point I'm like, oh no, he's so open he's going to drop it. But it's Austin Colley. He doesn't drop passes. And uh, I saw the crowd erupt. And then Harvey Unga running over uh, the Utah defender at the goal line just uh, put the cap on it. I, uh, between 1995, when I moved to Utah as an, uh, an 11 year old, between 95 and 2011, minus my mission, I went to every single BYU Utah game. I had never seen one on TV. Uh, and so I missed, I missed oh three and oh four, which BYU lost both. Luckily, while I was on my two year LDS mission, the L three game was abysmal. And, and last year I missed because I was producing the uh, pre post game show uh, here. But uh, so I have, I guess, a unique um, or fun story behind, I guess, every one of these. But that one is is fun to me, two thousand seven, because the the night before BYU TV, we're in Vegas, and we broadcast the men's basketball game in a tournament. BYU beat sixth ranked Louisville. Rick Pitino led the night before. If BYU had lost that game and Old Dominion had lost to number one North Carolina, we were going to broadcast that game. And that's what we expected. But BYU beat sixth-ranked Louisville. Then they played North Carolina on ESPN. So I had gone into that weekend, th- weekend thinking, this is the first time I'm, n- I'm not going to be at the BYU-Utah game ever. And I was kind of disappointed. But I thought, you know what, this will be fun. I was the sideline reporter on that game. BYU wins the game. So then at 5 a.m. in Vegas, we drive up to Provo. I get a, a borrow a friend sideline pass. Hopefully, Athletic Media Relations isn't listening. <laughs> and I get on the field and witness 4th uh, and 18 and Harvey Young's thing. Do you have some more to confess, Jerem? Some to, more? No, to, that's to, it. To the Athletic? At, the, at this time. Okay. <laughs> so that weigh in on our poll question. I, th- I think it's a fun one today. And Beck to Harleen is going to blow away the competition, but I'm interested to see who comes in second. What's the over-under on Beck to Harleen? The percentage? Yeah. I'm going to go like 90. 90. Be- the, your favorite moment post-Lavelli era, BYU-Utah? 90. Okay. If not, hi- if not higher. Johnny Harleen will join us next segment. He'll uh, sound off on that over-under, perhaps. Also, he's got a a hidden talent you may not know about. You're going to want to tune in for that as well. My friends, it's time to rise and shout and bring on what's trending. Topic number one, rivalry week. It's huge. This is like the Super Bowl. Um, There's no line. I'm 0-3 against them, and I want to win. It's plain and simple. I want to beat them. Uh, they don't like us, and we don't like them. And um, that's okay because it's going to be a bloodbath, and we're going to show up for it, and we're going to rally the troops in this bye week, and we're going to come ready. Kyle Van Noy, after defeating Texas 40-21, to didn't have much time to think about that huge Longhorn victory because everyone wanted to know 
What do you think about BYU-Utah coming up at that time in two weeks? And uh, he said some things that I really like, namely bloodbath. I'm not sure that's what uh, you know, BYU Athletic Media Relations wanted him to say per, per se. <laughs> uh, obviously, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't terrible, of course, but he said it how it is. I, it was a very honest response. And in, in this day and age where you don't get a ton of honest responses because things get taken out of context so much by the media, uh, it was refreshing. And he didn't say anything that no one thought. You know, every, everyone knows that that's the case. So it's going to be huge. And I like the fact that Kyle Van Noy has been outspoken about this game. It's not um, – it, it, Bronco Mendenhall thinks otherwise. You prepare the same way every game, and with that consistency will come consistent results. Certain games are bigger than others in everyone's mind. And this is the biggest of them. In the, on, in the whole season, uh, in a season where BYU plays some, some pretty big names who aren't necessarily delivering right now, which we'll get it, to that in a moment, but it's bigger than any other game. Let's not kid ourselves. For like 10 reasons. I mean, we've named them all over the past week. The two-year hiatus is the first one that comes to mind. BYU won't play Utah again until 2016. They've lost three times in a row. So the Cougars trying to keep uh, prevent a fourth consecutive loss to the U. There's very little middle ground in this series. Statewide, nationwide, I don't know many people that root for both BYU and Utah. And you draw the line. It divides families. Well, once upon a time, there may have been uh, one, you know, one team's basketball team and the other's football or something. But that w- once Utah with Ron McBride challenged BYU consistently, that's when the Utah fan base, in my mind, really rose up. Post kind of the end of Lavelle's time, where they started having more return missionaries, they started getting more Polynesians, uh, and that turned into, hey, we can meet BYU. And then it became a little more back and forth. When you look at BYU in Utah, th- think about this. This is crazy to me. BYU has not defeated Utah by double digits since 1996, 37-17 at in Salt Lake City. And the last time BYU did that at home, won by double digits, 1991. Ty Denner was the quarterback. Yeah, close games for a long time. Utah's had their fair share of blowout victories over BYU uh, in in the last couple of decades. But you're right, BYU winning by a large margin has not happened often uh, against Utah in the recent past. Yeah, Sky Povey, after the Texas game, also had this to say about playing Utah. Yeah, it'll be a big game. I think there'll be some intensity, and like you said, there'll be some... Some tempers will flare, and there's some bad feelings, but hopefully we'll be able to keep our heads and just play football. 89th meeting between BYU and Utah. First time coming off a bye week for BYU against Utah since 1953. And as you mentioned, the stakes are high for so many reasons. Okay, topic number two, QB comparison. He just has to stop trying so hard, I think, and relax and understand that he has a matchup advantage if he just puts the ball in a place where they can get it. That's Trevor Maddich, ESPN analyst, uh, joining us last Monday. He'll join us uh, coming up uh, in about 30 minutes here on the show. He was talking about Taysom Hill's matchup advantage. And the plot thickens because of how Travis Wilson played on Saturday against Oregon State. Utah lost 51-48 to in a barn burner in Salt Lake against Oregon State in overtime. But Travis Wilson put up the following numbers. 13 carries, 142 yards, 3 touchdowns. That's... 11 yards a pop. 19 for 33 throwing, 279, two touchdowns, but three interceptions. Those three interceptions cost them the game. 
but he put him in a position to win and put up a ton of points. 48 points in a loss. But Travis Wilson and Taysom Hill provide an intriguing sophomore QB matchup this Saturday. Absolutely. Two very... Uh, well, there are some similarities, but Wilson definitely feels more comfortable in the pocket. Uh, Taysom Hill, I believe, is a little more athletic. Wilson's an athletic guy. He's six. He seven. doesn't look like no. it when he runs, but he produced. He's kind of he's kind of a clunky runner, but but he gets down the field in a hurry. He's deceptively quick at six seven. Uh, and I, I was asking myself that how how is he getting outside of the defender? How is he with a really good Oregon State pass pass rush? I thought they. It's, the linebackers couldn't do their job. The D line would, he'd flush out of the pocket and then it was over. Yeah, eleven so, yards of carry. That's what basically what Taysom did against Texas. So Wilson, I mean, he's got a touchdown run over fifty yards, as was Taysom Hill. They they do share that similarity, but Wilson is a little more comfortable in the pocket, wants to stay in the pocket, whereas Taysom uh, enjoys getting outside and making plays with his feet. Uh, don't underestimate Travis Wilson. He's a good football player, but he has not faced a defensive front seven like BYU. And I like the matchup of the individual linebackers, especially BYU's two guys on the outside, Fua and Van Noy, two of the best in the country. I don't think that Wilson gets the edge like he did against Oregon State. Ask David Ash of Texas, yeah, who is faster. Who ran for 92 yards the week before yeah, against faster Mexico than State. Travis Wilson and also a pretty darn good passer. Yeah, that, that, front, that front three, though, has to do a good job. Uh, if if Fua and Van Noy have chances to make plays, they've got to make them because Wilson has shown that he can burn on the outside. Yeah, sophomore sensations collide Saturday night, eight fifteen Mountain Time, ESPN two ten fifteen Eastern kickoff between BYU and Utah. Topic number three. Thanks for nothing. If Texas can go out and and beat Mississippi the way it beat Mississippi last year, I, I believe that that score was something like sixty six to thirty one last year. If they can go out and and have a performance like that, then that definitely helps BYU. Fail, 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 fail. <laughs> Texas led Mississippi twenty three to fourteen at one point. I was calling the UC Irvine BYU women's soccer game. Got a text message from my older brother Trevor, and uh, he said, "Don't worry, Texas up twenty three fourteen. Things are looking all right." So I stopped paying attention at that moment, and then when the so did the Texas defense. Yeah, apparently when the, the women's soccer game finished, uh, I heard one of our stage managers say, "Oh man, Mississippi's up big on Texas," and I thought, "Oh boy, let it begin, let it begin." Uh, the Longhorn demise continues, uh, but I will defend them to a bit, Jerem, and here's why: David Ash did not play in that game. He is a better quarterback than Case McCoy. Yes, that's why he's a starter. Yes. Them not having him. Dajay Johnson is their huge athlete. They, he, they compare him to Oregon's DeAnthony Thomas in terms of speed and athletic ability. So not having him out with an ankle injury and David Ash with a head injury seriously hurt the Longhorns on their home field. And that hurt BYU's moxie. It, it, the bye week hurt BYU's uh, national relevance. Um, but it, BYU... Now they just have to continue to win, and your stars have to play well. Taysom, Taysom Hill can be in the conversation of top 20 kind of Heisman guys if he, if he goes 100-plus uh, and 200 in the air, 100 on the ground, 200 in the air. But BYU's got to win. And BYU's others, other opponents that didn't do anything. The topic is thanks for nothing. BYU's opponents went 6-4 and four on the week. There's only three BYU uh, future opponents that are undefeated. After two games. After two games. Georgia Tech, Houston, and Idaho State. 
There's just three. <laughs> Wisconsin should be three and zero. That was the worst ending of a game I may have ever seen. The if you haven't seen it, look it up on YouTube. The ref not spotting the ball in time. The clock running out on Gary Anderson at Arizona State. They got jobs. Yeah, there's there's Made no me angry. There's no guarantee that Wisconsin makes the field goal. Right, but still. So they Wisconsin should be three and zero. Nevada got worked by Florida State. Notre Dame beat Purdue. Going in reverse order here. Boise State beat Air Force by twenty two. Houston had a bye, but they haven't played anybody. Georgia Tech beat Duke. Uh, Utah State is looking really good. That Utah State the the game of the week for me outside of BYU Utah obviously looking at that Utah State at USC. I would be very afraid if I were the Trojans. On ABC. Yeah. The Nat- tr- they lost to Washington State, who only scored 14 points to win. Utah Nat- State can go to the Coliseum and win that. Huge and opportunity for that team. They should go to the, I They're good enough. Utah State is good. And I love it. I love when Utah State's relevant, because then it's going to make these BYU-Utah State games a lot more fun. You, you look back just five years ago, they weren't that fun. But now Utah State becomes relevant. Uh, very quickly, after seeing all of those uh, different outcomes, results, the Wisconsin debacle, Texas losing to Mississippi, Bronco Mendenhall uh, had this running through his mind. Crap. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Love the out-of-context soundbite. Uh, really, that was Bronco uh, mentioning t- the lack of Taysom Hill sliding against Texas. But, but really, BYU Sports Nation collectively had that thought uh, given the troubles of their foes. That wraps up what is trending. Coming up next on BYU Sports Nation, his name is music to Cougar fans' ears, and now he's making music. Johnny Harleen joins us next and will tell us what was going through his mind as he watched John Beck scramble to the right on that final play in 2006. You're listening to BYU Sports Nation. And now, back to more Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan here. You can follow us at Spencer underscore Linton and at Jerem Jordan. Join the show's growing Twitter following at BYU Sports Nation. Our BYU versus Utah coverage looks like this Saturday. Pre-game on BYU Radio starts at 8 Eastern with Greg Rubel. That's PM. BYU TV's countdown to kickoff starts at 9 p.m. Eastern time. The game's on ESPN2 and BYU Radio at 10.15 p.m. Join BYU TV and BYU Radio immediately following the game. Those tunes, that was Johnny Harleen shredding on the guitar. And Johnny Harleen joins us in studio. What's up, Johnny? Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me. I met you, uh, I don't know, probably a few weeks ago. I just moved into the area, and uh, uh, you were doing some some spot radio with uh, Ben Criddle, former BYU player. and. And I came in as a guest, and when I saw you, my friend, I just I just wanted to run over to you and give you a big hug. <laughs> I, I get that, you know. So, <laughs> it's okay. Have you had random people hug you? Um, or, or high five? Or I, yeah, in high the grocery five, store. Yeah. Kind of. I don't know about hug, but yeah. <laughs> that's I'm, awesome. I'm expressing true feelings. Okay. Yeah. All right. And and I was telling Johnny, uh, your senior year at Orem High School here locally, I uh, you played my high school when I was a junior. I wasn't on the field. I, I didn't play football, so that's what I'm doing here uh, on the radio. But uh, Orem defeated Copper Hills uh, in the first round there. I forgot. How'd you guys do your senior? Uh, we lost in the next round to Northridge, who eventually won the state and championship. And that's where Spencer went. We had yeah. this conversation, didn't we, John? Yeah. Wow. Dan so you Coates, played me. It was Dan play Coates playing, so, yeah. <laughs> Who you team we, up with later. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a lot of fun. I mean, we were, we had a we ended up having a good team. We tied for the region championship and and just you know lost by a uh, punt return in that in that semi or uh, quarterfinal game against mm-hmm. Northridge. So, yeah. well, thankfully, Johnny, the stars aligned, and you both ended up. At BYU, speaking of Daniel Coates and yourself, both caught touchdown passes in that 2006 BYU-Utah game. And let's let's delve into that play. John Beck starts rolling right. Seems like it takes 30 seconds. Plenty of time, plenty of time, plenty of time. <laughs> How in the world did you find yourself so open? What, what happened? How, did you plan on that? Like, did you think no. about it in the back of your mind? Or what was the plan? There wasn't a plan, really. Um, <laughs> after about two seconds, the the called play was off. I started out on the right, and uh, they lined up two guys. It was, uh, I think, Bryce McCain, and then they put Eric Weddle also over me. Cause they Both did not, NFL guys. They did not want a fade route, you know, and uh, they weren't going to get beat that way. So, you know, I, and then that was my that was my route, original route, was just to kind of a fade. But uh, that was off, you know, after two seconds. Everyone was just running around. And... Uh, once the play's off and it's a scramble drill, you're you're taught to just kind of follow the ball. You know, you just find a seam somewhere and follow where the quarterback goes. So I followed John over to the left, um, and as he started going back right, I kind of found myself a couple steps behind everyone, and I saw everybody shifting over there. And so I just thought, there's enough guys over there. You know, if he sees me back here, I'm open, and he can just chuck it back here and and uh that'll do it but i did not i didn't know that he had seen me he had told me afterwards that he he, he was kind of trying to draw everyone off of me he sure saw he me was. back there <laughs> well you know and i wasn't sure at first either but then uh when you look at it he kind of just throws it without even looking so i did think he had the the sense that i was back there and um yeah i mean basically going through my head i just remember you know i was pretty good about not worrying too much about like the moment and what it would mean if I caught it or dropped it. You know, I just go catch the ball like I've done a million times. It's just a ball floating in the air towards me. I'm not going to drop it. Um, I did at first kind of misjudge the ball. I thought it was going to make it all the way to me. That's why the dramatic slide at the end was a little more dramatic. I had to come up a little bit fast there at the end. And, uh, yeah, and just caught the ball like I had a million times, and that was it. When did it sink in? Uh, the gravity of what you would actually pulled off there immediately after the catch or did it take a while oh it it was a huge i mean once the ball was coming towards me i knew it was over i wasn't going to drop it um and so it was just kind of a huge relief you know weight off your shoulders that uh you know we were going to win the game and you know once i caught it that we'd won the game it was over um i got dog piled on and it and it was even I think I was probably less excited than most of the fans. I, in fact, I'm sure I was because, like I said, I was pretty even keel about the whole thing, and just I was that was one of my strengths. I think as a player, just kind of staying in the moment and uh, just focusing on what I had to get done. And so once I caught it, I was just all right. You know, it's I was I was very happy we'd won, but I wasn't necessarily like going crazy like the people over in the stands. And uh, you know, then my teammates dogpiled on me. Which I always joke because, you know, I got dogpiled on and then John, he got lifted up on everyone's shoulders, which would have been much nicer because I got dogpiled on there and I was not happy. I was under there and just like, I couldn't breathe. That can be scary. Yeah, I got claustrophobic. And I mean, there's several 
probably five or six guys at least on me, at least a thousand pounds on me. And I saw later on, you know, on the replay, Ray Fenga. I think he actually hurt his thumb or something on this play, but Ray Fenga, you know, three hundred plus guy jumped. He jumped on the pile, but he like went over it and missed. So I was <laughs> I was thankful for that. But I squirmed out of there and. Uh, and just after that, I was almost, it was just such an exhausting game emotionally. And then, you know, I got dogpiled on, I got out of there. I was just like, oh my gosh, I was just like done, you know? And so I was, I wasn't just like running around celebrating and I was, I don't know. I was almost more just, just like relieved and, and that the game was over and that we'd won than, than excited, I guess. <laughs> and I think part of that is probably due, and tell me if I'm right or wrong here, the buildup to that, Utah had won, what was it, four in a four row straight. going into that game. So that wasn't just winning that game. That was, we got them, finally. And oh, the yeah. year before it was in overtime, and Utah won. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, you know, I hadn't been there all those years because um, I'd you know, got home from my mission my sophomore year and, uh, you know, I didn't really play very much. And so there was that 2004 year that we lost to them. Then 2005 I was playing and we, you know, we lost that one in overtime and then 2006 we got them. So I was kind of, I kind of always looked at it like I was one and one, but yeah, came out on top for sure. Yeah. And you and Cam Jensen end up being kind of the last of the Rick's college guys, Yeah, right? Was there anyone later than you guys that had transferred from, from Rick's college in Rexburg, Idaho to BYU? No, in fact, I don't. Cam wasn't even there when I was there. I was the very last year hmm. that, and that's that's one of the uh, reasons I went to Ricks is because I was hoping to get into a Division One school sooner, and I knew that they just had one year left of football, so I just went up there as a true freshman, hoping I could do well and get a scholarship offer. And uh, and BYU offered me about I don't know two thirds of the way through the season. I was playing well, and finally decided, all right, let's let's give him a scholarship and get him on board, and that was it. It's funny how things uh, line up like that. You end up BYU. You're in your BYU career uh, on the highest of highs. You beat Utah in that final play, and you go on to beat Oregon in the oh, yeah. uh, Las Vegas Bowl, thirty-eight to eight. So my question, Johnny, is when did you realize that I may have just pulled off or been a huge part of one of the greatest plays in BYU football history? Not just the BYU Utah rivalry series, but in history. Yeah. Um, not until. I knew it was a big moment. It was probably not until, you know, the a few years later that, you know, people are still talking about it, always wanting to know about it. And then, you know, do the 50 greatest plays and that gets voted number one out of everything. Did that surprise you? It, uh, yes and no. I mean, I, I wasn't I, – I there were there were definitely plays that I felt like people might vote over it. Um but at the same time, I just I've just learned how much people just love that play. I think there's just so much about it. I think the whole buildup, like you mentioned, and then the whole factor of it was so sudden how it ended. Like he he just chucked the ball over there. You don't even see me on the screen, and so it was just like just like so fast that um, that that I think people just had that split second moment where they were just so pumped up and excited about it. You know, people tell me all the time they you know broke the roof in their base or ceiling in their basement <laughs> jumping off the couch and stuff and that doesn't happen as much i don't think unless it's like that sudden impact it was a walk-off it was a football yeah. walk-off you don't yeah. ha- you don't have that very often <laughs> and spencer and i have to tell you we were on the sidelines and we're going to tweet out a photo of where we were we're actually in the shot on the mountain um we're on that we're at the seven yard line on the same side that you are 
And uh, I was a, a student uh, covering the game for 11 News, and you, John throws the ball, and I'm looking at John, and then I dip the lens down. I'm to just see it with my own eyes. And so I totally miss it, and I just look at you catch it. And we're right next to each other, and Spencer was, just said, oh, my gosh, like, oh, my gosh. Like seven Repeatedly. times in a row. Yeah, yeah. I put my hands on my head. Uh, unbelievable. But I've said this before. The angle of the throw and where we were standing, I couldn't see you come from the back of the end zone up onto your knees until no one did until the catch happened so mm-hmm. when john threw the ball i was like everyone oh, where's it no going yeah where is it going and that was a heck of a throw by john oh yeah across Back his body foot across yeah his body. I mean, he's got a he's got an unbelievably strong arm and that's why i knew you know if he saw me back there didn't matter if he was getting hit or whatever if he chucked it then he could get it there so you you mentioned that we're talking with johnny harley and uh former byu tight end uh you talked about how exhausted you were. I, I was in the group uh, of media trying to interview you after the game, and there it seemed like there were 30 people just around. And, and at Utah, it's outside. It's not inside and nice and with a bunch of mics and everything. So it's every radio, newspaper, and TV guy trying to get his angle and camera in there and whatnot. You were so tired. Yeah. You were so tired and trying to yeah. give responses well, there, not to mention the emotional exhaustion. Yeah. No, I was just done for the day. In fact, I'll tell you something. I have... I, uh, it's kind of funny. I feel bad, but my brother, he jumped over the over the rails and was getting chased by the security and stuff. And he came over to me and was and I I don't know if it was during like an interview or something, but he like ran over to me and he was all excited and I was like, "Hey." And uh and like the security were still chasing him and he's like, "No, this is my brother. This is my brother." And I thought I had said something like, "Yeah, you know, but I don't know if I really did anything." And I don't. I seriously don't remember. But he ended up having to run off and was getting chased again. And I felt bad. I didn't save him. <laughs> he got but. chased more than John Beck did. In the, after the it's game. my brother. Sure it is. Yeah. yeah. Sure it is. <laughs> Johnny, I don't know how much contact you have with uh, current BYU players or the tight end specifically. Uh, but can you give us your take on the the current situation? How the offense has evolved. It's so different, and now the tight ends are really battling uh, to, to catch any passes, uh, whereas you were such an integral part of BYU's offense when you played. What's your, your thought on that? Um, well, yeah, first of all, I don't, I don't have too much contact with the team. Um, you know, I'll have to get down here a little bit more. Uh, but my take is, as far as the tight ends being involved, it's, really, it's not about the scheme uh, people have asked me about this a little bit, but it's really not about the scheme. It's not like Coach and I is in any way um, discouraging the involvement from the tight ends. To me, and the reason I was involved and a lot of BYU tight ends have been involved in the offense is just because they're guys that the quarterbacks like throwing to. They're big targets. Um, and the the quarterback really trusts them and that they'll make plays. They've made plays for him before. They generally catch the ball when it's in their area. And so I think that that's a big factor. Um, it's just the quarterback wants to throw the ball to someone he trusts. And right now they're not getting that many looks. There's just not that level of like trust and communication just being on the same page with those guys right now. I think that's what offensive coordinator Robert and I said. He wants them to earn it. He wants yeah. them to earn uh the respect from the quarterback that if he throws it up, they're going to come down with it. Yeah, I mean, and you can look, um, you know, when I was playing, there was plenty of times when I wasn't open, but John would throw it to me anyway. Like, I I had a touchdown, I remember, against San Diego State, and I caught the ball and I caught the defender's arm, you know, in the back of the end zone. <laughs> it was just, 
you know, his hand was stuck in there. He was covered me, right on me as close as you could get. And he just threw it right in there and, and, uh, made it happen. So, and that just comes from, you know, many, many reps and lot, you know, practice and making plays on those practice reps. Talking with Johnny Harleen, Spencer Lynch, and Jerem Jordan here on BYU Sports Nation. The 2006 hero from the BYU-Utah rivalry game in studio with us. Johnny, you are a man of many talents. And as we came back in, Jerem mentioned that was uh, some of the music that you were involved in. Uh, what kind of a role do you play in this, this rock band, and how did you pick this up? <laughs> Listening to uh, some of it now. Yeah, um, I've I played guitar since you know junior high, and uh, it's always been some one of my favorite things to do. As much as sports, music and sports have always been kind of my two favorite things to do. And uh, you know, I played a ton, just practice, practice, practice. I loved it. I loved listening to all the great guitar players: Angus Young, Jimmy Page, um, Slash. I like Van Halen, all those guys. You know, and so. It's just something I've always done. I've just played a lot. And so now, you know, once football ended for me, I was kind of like, you know, I played so much and I was a good guitar player and I was like, you know, I need to like play with a band or something. So I went on Craigslist. I found a, found some guys to, to play with and, you know, we played some shows and stuff for a few years. A lot of them were just kind of like, uh, in these really run down bars, you know, maybe 10 people there, but we actually ended up playing some really cool shows. We opened for Brett Michaels from poison. Wow. Um, some, a few other kind of eighties style bands. The guys in my band, they're, they're like kind of, they're big time eighties guys. They're, mm-hmm. they're a little older than me, but, uh, so yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I love playing. I'll, it's something I'll always do. So perfect disorder. Was that the name of the, uh, band yeah. You played with? Yep. Yeah. And right now I played a few shows with them this year for the past couple of years. I hadn't really played too much. Um, but, uh, I played a couple shows with them this year opening for, uh, let's see, it was Lita Ford and slaughter and, uh, and we'll see we're, we'll see what happens in the future. I don't know what types of shows and stuff we're going to be playing, but, uh, or what'll happen, but it's fun. Okay, and before we go to break, our poll question was this, Johnny. I want you to weigh in before we go to break and uh, just update this. What's the best moment in the rivalry game history in the post-Lavelle era? 90% back to Harleen, <laughs> followed by Hall to George, 6%, Austin Collie, 4th and 18 at 4%, and 0%, Doman to Staley, 2001. Of Besides yours, what's your favorite of those other three? Uh, besides mine, it was actually... Domin to Staley. Domin to Staley. Sure. I, that's when I was on my uh, recruiting trip, and uh, when I was coming down from Ricks, and I came, I was on the fourth row or something, and and uh, I vividly remember that play, just chugging down the sideline, and the place just going nuts, you know. So, and I, I looked up in the stands and just see everyone going crazy, and I was like, man, that would be awesome to have moment like that little so. did you know <laughs> <We're a bigger laughs> Harling. all right johnny harleen in studio melting our faces with awesome riffs and of course <laughs> dropping awesome knowledge on that 2006 throwback from john beck to beat utah 33 31 thanks so much for the time johnny yeah thanks guys up next another Maddich monday as espn college football analyst trevor Maddich joins us and will tell us where the byu utah rivalry ranks with other national rivalries. This is BYU Sports Nation. This is BYU Sports Nation on the home of the BYU Cougars, BYU Radio. Can anybody get over the court? He'll roll right, let it go, find the shot, touchdown, Jeff! 
and BYU swarms the field. They win it. Finds his gun. I love that moment. You can't you can't play that enough for me. Jeremy Jordan, Spencer Linton here on BYU Sports Nation. Just had Johnny Harleen on the show, the hero, co-hero with John Beck of the 2006 finish uh, between BYU and Utah at Rice-Eccles Stadium. Uh, let's update the poll results for you. The question on BYUtvsports.com, what's the best moment in rivalry game history in the post-Lavelle era? And 90.38%. I put the over-under at the beginning of the show at 90%, and it's over by the George and OT. 2007, Austin, uh, 2009, Hall to George and OT, 2007, Austin Colley, and then 0% for Doman to stay. You remember how earlier I mentioned Hope Athletic, BYU Athletic Media Relations not listening? <laughs> One of them texted me and said, listening, haha. <laughs> <laughs> how I oh. got onto the field that year. Yeah. Well, let bygones be bygones. <laughs> I think you've, you've done enough to... Uh... To make amends for that, Jerry. You've worked hard enough. We'll, we'll cut you some <laughs> slack right there. Joining us now, one of the nation's top college football analysts, Trevor Maddich of ESPN. Uh, you can see him on College Football Live pretty much uh, each and every day. It seems like he has a huge impact on the way the nation looks at college football, and we appreciate him joining us for another Maddich Monday. How you doing, Trevor? I'm doing great. How are you? We're feeling good, and... Uh, well, we were talking earlier in the show about BYU's future opponents, and they kind of had a rough weekend. Wisconsin lost in a brutal fashion at Arizona State. Texas laid an egg against Mississippi. Uh, those two being the ones that come to mind. Has that made or taken a great effect on BYU's national perspective, or at least how the nation is viewing BYU now and that win over Texas? You know what? I like the way you're thinking. That's really good. Because you've got all this excitement and you're thinking big national picture. Right now they got to beat Utah, which is something that's been very hard for BYU to do in recent years. But the national picture of that, uh, I don't think the Texas problem is, is, or excuse me, I don't think Texas' struggles will take too much away from BYU. I mean, the immediate knee-jerk aftermath of BYU putting up a historic run game beatdown of that Longhorn defense was that something was wrong with Texas. But I think people are starting to realize that there's also something right with BYU. And there are enough really quality, high-marquee, national-profile opponents coming up that even if they lose once or twice here and there, if BYU keeps winning, BYU is going to be in some very interesting conversations come November. We had Steve Young on the show on Friday, and he talked about BYU to be nationally relevant. doesn't have to necessarily win every game, obviously, the more you win, the more relevant you are. But he said BYU's got to play an exciting brand of offense that people are going to want to tune in and see that. How, how much do you think BYU's going to bring it like they did against Texas against Utah to provide that exciting offense? Well, I'll tell you, the thing that needs to happen for that uh, offense to be exciting is they need to complete a forward pass. Now think about this. They, <laughs> they had 550 yards rushing against Texas. It was the most ever in the history of the program, and we all know those numbers. Because of that, play-action pass should have completed at least 75% of the time, probably more like 85%. But Taysom Hill completed 35% of his passes against Texas, 35%. That wasn't all his fault. There were some drops. There were some receivers not in the right spot. I get that. But if you complete 35%, on a historic rushing day, then there's problems that need to be taken care of. And when you think about it, they don't need to have a precise 
BYU passed style passing precision offense. All they need to do is get the ball somewhere in the vicinity of one of those tall receivers. When you look at Cody Hoffman against Texas, you know, he had a couple of great catches where the defender was close, but Cody is just a beast. He's big, he's got long arms, and he reached out and grabbed that football. And Georgia Tech, to me, is the best example of this because they have that triple option that they run. And they had a receiver there who's now with the Denver Broncos, but his name is Demarius Thomas. Tall guy, good at winning the ball when it's thrown high up in the air, and it's just him and a safety down the field. It's just me and you, and I'm going to get that football. Well, Cody Hoffman's that kind of guy as well. So is Ross Oppo. They've got tall receivers there. And all they need to do is, on a play-action pass, send those guys down the field and have Taysom throw it up somewhere in the vicinity of those guys. And if that's the case, I like BYU's chances to come down with that ball. So I'm sure that's something they've been working on over the course of this bye week, that you know, you've got to be more... Uh, exciting in the passing game in order to have what off, what viewers want to see and in order to counter defenses when they come up and do gum up the running game. You bring up a great point with that Georgia Tech reference. Demarius Thomas now playing for the Denver Broncos, one of Peyton Manning's favorite targets. Georgia Tech had this other guy, oh, by the way, named Calvin Johnson. Oh, him. Uh, who did the same thing. Yep. Yeah, and he's now Megatron up at the Detroit Lions now. And, and that, to me, is, is something that they'll have to do. But keep this in mind that this is a new offensive style for BYU. And not only is the, are the team, the players, trying to get it all worked out in terms of how they fit into the offense, offensive coordinator Robert and I is learning about his guys. He knows what they can do from last year's style, but he wasn't here last year coaching that style. And so he's learning how they are in this kind of a hyper-hurry-up system, who can perform well and what they do well and what they don't do well. And that's one of the reasons that you saw such a dramatic improvement from the Virginia game in the opener to the Texas game in the second week, because Robert was able to see where to put the pieces on the board a little bit better, and he'll have more knowledge now going into Game 3 against Utah. Jerem Jordan, Spencer Linton here on BYU Sports Nation. It's a Maddich Monday, talking with ESPN's Trevor Maddich. As you look ahead to the BYU-Utah game, Utah coming in with a certain uh, sense of pride knowing that they've defeated BYU the last three years, but come off an overtime loss to Oregon State where they gave up 443 passing yards. Now, BYU is not going to throw for 400 yards Saturday, I don't think. What do you expect out of Utah coming into Lavelle Edwards Stadium Saturday? Well, Utah's always got a, a chip on their shoulder for BYU. You know, they've got that countdown clock in the weight room counting down the days until they next play that team down south. And the thing about them is that they, they've got some good players on that team. I mean, Tyler Wilson, a quarterback, is one of, the, one of the top-rated quarterbacks in the nation. He is 11th in ESPN's QBR, total quarterback rating, which takes into account not just passer rating, but also your contributions on the run and turnovers and penalties and things like that. And so he's, he's actually an extremely dangerous guy. Now, fortunately for BYU, they will stop the run. I don't see Utah being able to pound the ball against BYU. And so that'll force Wilson into being a, a one uh, – or tra- Travis Wilson, I'm sorry, I said Tyler Wilson. That'll force him into being a uh, – a one-style guy. I think he'll have to throw it, and I think that'll hurt his effectiveness. But that's really where BYU will win and lose this game. I think BYU's offense will be fine. Uh, Utah's defense is not the rock that it has been in years past. But uh, if they can keep Wilson from lighting them up through the air, 
then I think BYU will have a chance to keep the score low and then allow that hyper pace to wear on them and take over the game in the fourth quarter, which is part of the rationale for running this style of offense to begin with. Trevor, from a national perspective, where does the BYU-Utah rivalry fit in amidst Notre Dame-Michigan or even Ohio State-Michigan-Alabama-Auburn? Well, I think that because Ohio State-Michigan and Alabama-Auburn and and teams like that have been relevant nationally, both of them at the same time, more often than BYU and Utah, it's not known as well. But the people that know the rivalry understand that it is a very deep, bitter rivalry rivalry. And if there's one thing that college football fans love, it's intense emotions. And even if they don't know the teams as well as they know Ohio State and Michigan, nationally people understand that that there is as intense an emotion surrounding this game as there is any game in the country. And around here at ESPN, and I'm sitting here right now in a little cubbyhole talking to you at ESPN's campus in Bristol, Connecticut. I was in watching Arizona State tape here a little minute ago, about to go back. But, the, uh, but around here, everybody stops me in the hall and asks me about the Holy War. They ask me about BYU-Utah, what's it like, you know, and, and do you really hate those guys as much? Yeah, actually, we kind of do. And, uh, it's, in a friendly football sort of way. <clears throat> but even here at ESPN, with everything else going on, I mean, we're at the beginning of an NFL season with lots of drama. You've got baseball. You've got all these things happening. And I'm getting stopped in the hall by national profile analysts and hosts asking me about the BYU-Utah game. So that tells you something about people who understand sports and connect emotion to it. Talking with ESPN's Trevor Maddich, and we'll wrap up with this, Trevor. Uh, Our poll question today is this. What's the best moment in the rivalry game history in the post-Lavelle era? Four options. 2001, Brandon Doman to Luke Staley, game winner. 2006, Beck to Harleen. 2007, Austin Collie, fourth and 18. And 2009, Max Hall to Andrew George in overtime. What do you think? Yeah, I've got to go with the Harleen. Just because that, that just, I, I just, you know, I, I have tremendous respect for the Utes. I have tremendous respect for Kyle Whittingham and his coaching staff. I think they run the program well up there, you know. But as a BYU guy, when it's Utah week, I just despise everything red, right? And that's just part of the fun of it. But that Harleen play just ripped the heart out of the chest of every Ute fan. And it was beautiful. And again, it goes back to the emotion. It goes back to the connection with the emotion. And, and that emotion... When Harleen caught that pass, to me, was one of the great moments in the history of the game, not just in the post-Lavelle Edwards. I just, I, just, I just smiled, and I was like, oh, this is going to hurt. Great. <laughs> Maddich Mondays never disappoint, especially during rivalry. Trevor, thanks so much for the time, and uh, appreciate you sneaking into your cubby in Bristol to uh, make time for us. It is always a highlight. Please call anytime. Yeah, thanks. Trevor Maddich of ESPN. Coming up. What other sport will face off against Utah this week? And who gets today's rise and shout? This is BYU Sports Nation. Now, here's the Cougar Whip Around. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Jeremy Jordan, Spencer Linton here. Let's whip it. Soccer. The women's soccer team tied and lost last week to Oregon and UC Irvine. This week, the Cougars host Oklahoma on Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern time on BYU TV and BYU Radio, as well as Long Beach State Saturday. Huge week. Women's volleyball. The Cougars head up to play undefeated Utah 10-0 tomorrow night at 9 Eastern on the Pac-12 Network and BYU Radio. The Utes 
uh, undefeated so far this year. BYU will also play San Diego. Big match for the Cougars Friday at 9 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Cross country. The fourth-ranked men's cross country team won the Autumn Classic last Saturday. Tyler Thatcher won as an individual. The next race for the Cougars, September 28th in Minnesota. Golf. Men's golf, the Cougars begin the season today in Bremerton, Washington at the Husky Invitational. And that wraps it up for the Cougar whip around. Good stuff today. And going back to the women's soccer team, really tough loss in the final minute against UC Irvine on Saturday. Uh, The Anteaters, it's probably the best win they've ever had. It's the highest ranked team they've ever beat. So uh, certainly uh, it lifts them. But BYU, how do they respond against Oklahoma and Long Beach State? Two better teams than UC Irvine and Oregon, whom they tied and lost to last week. Boomer Sooner in the house. Uh, Tomorrow we'll chat with Blaine Fowler, BYU TV football analyst, and maybe the only man to ever back up two Davey O'Brien award winners. (laughs) I'm sure he loves that. That's his claim to fame, baby. Let's get to today's Rise and Shout. I'm actually gonna gonna call an audible right here, Jerem. I'm gonna give it to two people. One to Johnny Harleen. Two. This is unprecedented for joining us in studio. Johnny is an amazing guitar player, rocker. And by the way, our senior coordinating producer Michael Miner said, "Tell him we need to jam together." He was he was a drummer in a professional rock band. So uh, you two need to line that up. And secondly, to Trevor Maddich. I don't know if you did if you heard it, but he just gave an exquisite description of why the Beck to Harleen play was his favorite in the post-Lavelle Edwards era of the BYU-Utah rivalry matchup. Something like this, uh, where it was, that the Beck, Beck to Harleen ripped the hearts out of the Utah fans, and w- it was so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. You think he, uh, he's invested in uh, BYU-Utah? Absolutely. We need to get to a tweet. Uh, didn't get to as many today as we wanted, but at Adam Ride, I know he, I know he's a BYU fan in Virginia, but he said uh, at BYU Sports Nation, listening from India, keep the BYU sports coming, India, yeah, worldwide, baby, love that stuff. Adam, thanks for listening. Uh, you deserve a rise and shout as well. It's been a fantastic show. We appreciate uh, Johnny Harleen coming on, Trevor Maddich. Uh, great stuff from them. You can catch Johnny, by the way, on True Blue tonight as well with Dave McCann, 8 Theater, 8.30 Eastern on BYU TV. Big guest list this week, Brian Kill, Kalani Sataki, Brett Kiesel, Aaron Roderick, Jeff Benedict, uh, really great author of uh, an intriguing book that had just come out, come out. The System. The System talking about the glory and scandal of big-time college football. Also working on Max Hall. Uh, Hopefully he'll tell us how he really feels about Utah still, even today. Uh, And again, thanks to everyone on our crew, senior coordinating producer Michael Miner, producer Ben Bagley, BYU radio station manager Don Shaline, production assistants Alan Miller and Spencer King, and of course our engineer Aaron Evans. Check out archived episodes of the show on the BYU Radio YouTube channel every afternoon. For Spencer Linton, I'm Jerem Jordan. You've just listened to BYU Sports Nation.